Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, Inspire family. I am so glad that you are joining us. My name is Roger, one of the pastors here at Inspire. I just want to first thank the Katinas for another amazing experience in worship. Isn't it awesome that they are able to be our guest worship team throughout this entire series um, called Unstoppable? Um, this is actually the fifth installment to this message, and I am just excited to just dive in. Um, and so that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, throughout this whole season that we've been in with shelter in place and COVID, um, what's crazy is I, I keep hearing the phrase, I just want to go back to the way things used to be. I just want to go back to normal, right? And, and, and I totally get that. Listen, I miss a bunch of stuff. I miss eating at restaurants. I miss watching movies in theaters, uh, going to Disneyland, taking my kids to the park, right? Walking uh, around Target without having to have a mask on, right? Listen, God, I will never complain about my kids' teachers again. I promise, all right? And most of all, I miss Sunday mornings at Inspire, right? Grabbing some donut holes, a cup of coffee, hugging everybody, grabbing more donut holes, uh, right? Worshiping together, watching the kids chase each other in the foyer, grabbing more donut holes. Y'all know you go back to donut holes a few times. Don't act like I'm the only one, right? Man, I just wish we could go back to normal. And, and in the midst of this desire, you know, uh, th- that we want that we, that we want to go back to normal again and again, that is the theme that I am going to be addressing today. Unstoppable, this whole series really is about looking at the first church, the early church, right? And how is it that this church movement faced all sorts of problems and and trials and situations, and yet they were unstoppable. And today, we're going to deal with this fact about wanting to go back to normal wanting to go back to normal. Because some, some of you are trying to deal with a level of uncertainty that really is sort of unprecedented in your life, and you're just trying to get a daily schedule figured out, right? For, for, for others, you're, you're dealing with loneliness, and even though supposedly our world is more connected than ever before because of social media, but what we've discovered is really that's somewhat of an illusion, right? Others, you've been more glued to your Twitter, your news feeds, your IG stories than ever before because, uh, and you're getting all of this information that is just sort of information overload, and then you wonder why you're, you're in fear, or why you can't sleep at night, right? For, for others, you have lost something in this season that you're never going to be able to get back. For some, you're trying to cope with the reality that as much as you want to go back, the reality is, is that some things have changed forever, so when you look at the, old, or the early church, uh, the, the, the church in the first century, how did this unstoppable movement deal with their new normal? 
Now, in, in order to really paint out this message, let me first build a canvas for you and give you some context that where we are at. We've been looking at the book of Acts, and specifically this morning, uh, I want you to know that Jesus ha- had died. His, uh, his followers, their lives had been turned upside down. That their hero, the, the one that they thought was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, bring about a new kingdom, was sentenced to death by crucifixion on a criminal's cross, right? And, and now, and his corpse lies in a borrowed tomb. And so it feels almost like overnight that these Christians' world had been turned upside down. And not knowing how to, how to handle this, many of them went back and tried to go back to what was their normal. They, they, they tried to go back to fishing and farming. Isn't it weird how we can shift and how the very thing that we want to get back to is sometimes the very thing that we were trying to escape from? Remember the days when you would complain uh, about how you'd pull up to church and all the good parking spots were taken? Yeah, you hated that, right? Or, or, Or remember when you complained because somebody made the coffee too strong? or didn't make it strong enough, right? Or, or maybe you were slightly frustrated, uh, but somehow you, you miss it, yet you miss it now, right? Remember when you were, were, were sitting in church and waiting for the sermon to be done and you kept you know, checking your watch and, and hoping that you can beat the Baptist to the buffet, right? This thing inside of you, like, man, you know, when is this gonna be over? And now you crave it. In fact, watch this. This is really interesting Most of the time when you look through history, God's people are always trying to go back to normal while God is trying to bring them to something new. For, for instance, the Egyptians. If you remember, uh, in, in, in Egypt, we can look at, we can look at uh, what happened with God's people in Egypt and how God delivered uh, the Israelites out of Egypt and, and how they were finally free. But at one point in Exodus, you actually see where God's children say, hey, I, I actually want to go back. You know, I don't know about this new thing. I don't know about this new way of, uh, of living. I actually want to go back to being slaves. The disciples were the same thing. They, 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 they tried to go back to their normal lives. Then Jesus uh, wasn't just dead, but he rose again, and, and then he appears to them, and he spends several days with them, and then ascends into heaven. But before he ascends, he gives them instructions that they are going to go back, but not go back. In other words, he gives them sort of these shelter-in-place instructions and tells them to wait for something new. So they went into an upper room at home, in a home, and they waited. And that's where we pick up today in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it reads like this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, uh, some God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard them speaking in his own language. 
utterly amazed. They asked, are these men not who are speaking, uh, who are not, uh, who, I'm sorry, are all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native tongue? And, 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 and then we jump down to verse 12 and it says they were amazed and they were perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. And this is what he said. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, no, no. What this is, is this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you because your grace is sufficient. Lord, as we dive into your word today, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will have ears to hear and a mind to understand and a heart that is receptive. Lord, I thank you and I praise you, Lord Jesus, and look forward to the day, Lord God, where, where, where you are going to right all wrong, where paradise lost will become paradise restored. And my joy is in you, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So what is this text about? What's going on here? Um, and, and, and this is really interesting because what is Pentecost really about? Well, before we begin to answer this question in full, we have to notice a few things. Uh, for, for instance, in verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came. No, notice it didn't say when the day came that would eventually be called Pentecost. In other words, uh, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, was already a thing. It was, it was already a holiday. It was, a, it was already a feast that they observed um, even before this event took place that we read about in Acts chapter 2. And so what did the day of Pentecost refer to? Right? And if we don't get this, then we're not going to get the rest. And so this is important. Uh, the, the day of Pentecost actually happened after something called the Passover. And so the Jews celebrated uh, what they called Passover. And what that was was when God brought them out of Egypt. Uh, while they were in Egypt, he saved them. He spared their lives because he had put judgment upon the Egyptians. And, and the last judgment, the last plague, if you will, was the death angel. And so what they had to do was they had to take a lamb and, and take a, kill it, take its blood and put it on the doorpost outside of their house. And when the death angel came through uh, Egypt, if the death angel saw blood on the doorpost, it would pass over and not take the life of the firstborn son in that house, hence Passover. Well, 50 days after was a celebration called Pentecost. And this is what happened is that, is that God appeared to the people through Israel, um, to, to Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. 
Now, by that time, the early church, meaning by, by the time of Jesus, Pentecost was a day that, that, that Israel remembered God and celebrated God coming down on Mount Sinai and, and speaking with Moses and, and giving Moses the law, um, which, which through that kind of created a new people. So that's what happened. That's what Pentecost was. There, so so there, was, there was a mountain. And if you go back and read about the first Pentecost, it was extremely interesting and it's awe-inspiring. And, and, it's, and, it, and it's documented in Exodus chapter 18 and 19 and 20. And what you see there are children of Israel came to this mountain, right? And, and God came down on the mountain. And, and if you notice, what you'll read is that God, when God came down, there was wind and there was fire, the mountain shook and God was about to speak. And if you go there and read, you find something very interesting that happens in Exodus chapter 20. It says this, that when the people saw thunder and lightning, when they saw smoke from the mountains, when, when they saw fire and wind, they trembled and they were in fear and they wouldn't get close. And so what they said was, they, they said to Moses, listen, speak, uh, I, want, I want you to represent us. We want you to go up and we want you to be the one to talk to God uh, and we'll just listen, right? You know, we don't have to talk to God. You can do it. In fact, if we do, it will die. So you go ahead and you do it. And so that's exactly what happened. God came down on the mountain to meet with the children of Israel. And the children of Israel got far from the mountain. They couldn't stand the wind and they couldn't stand the fire. They, 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 said, they said, we want to know God. We want to know what God has to say, but, but, but we can't bear the, the nearness of God. We, we can't bear belonging, uh, being close to God. So, so Moses, you go up the mountain. You brave the fire. You brave the, the wind, and you, and you bring the message back to us. And that's exactly what Moses did. He went up alone, and alone he met with God. And he was alone on the mountain. And then he brought down the message that God gave him, which were the Ten Commandments. And when the children of Israel received the commandments, they then became a new nation. See, uh, on the day of Pentecost, you have, you, you have a mountain, and you have a method, and you have a people. You have a ministry. You have a message. That was the first day of Pentecost that we look at in the Old Testament. And that's exactly how the disciples in Acts chapter 2 understood Pentecost. But now we're seeing Pentecost taking on an even fuller meaning because now what we're looking at is, some, is actually a new mountain. We're looking at a new ministry. We're looking at a new message. We're, we're, we're looking at a new method and we're looking at a new people. We're looking at a new normal. So let's unpack that this morning. Number one, a new mountain. In, in verses one through four, and we've already read it, but, but it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. One reason you and I, when we read this, we're not fainting, we're not stunned, we're not shocked, is because we don't have a high view of God. Not in the same way that the Jews did. Not in the same way that the disciples did. 
And so we're going to have to work this a little bit. But you have to understand, whenever God came down, whenever his presence came down, it would be in things like fire. For instance, take the pillar of fire that led the, the children of Israel through the wilderness, or, or, or the fire of the burning bush, right? And, and why fire? Well, for, for several reasons. F- fire expresses power. It tells us of the power of God. Secondly, fire expresses purity. It, it purifies. It refines. It shows the holiness of God. Uh, next, uh, fire expresses beauty. It shows the, the, the satisfaction of beauty of God, the, the glory of God the glory of God. But also, in a a strange way, it also shows us that God isn't necessarily safe. In in other words, you can't just run up to God. You couldn't just touch God. You couldn't just get near to God. There was, there was a certain, there was a certain thing about God that was, he he was too holy and too powerful that, that, that you couldn't just access him. Therefore, fire was also a way to, to, say, to, to, say God, to, to say that God is powerful and, and holy and, and glorious and beautiful, but also that there is a barrier between man and God. See, see the trouble with fire for us is, is, is that we need fire, but, but not too close, right? We, we need fire close enough to warm us, but we don't, but, but, well, because we don't want to freeze to death, but if we come too close, it can destroy us. And so God is saying in many ways that there's a weakness in you and you can't come near. And this isn't odd, this isn't strange, but that's the reality. That's the reality. We, we desire the beauty of God, we want the power of God, right? But, 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 but if we really think about it, we, we want God, but we don't want to get too close to God because then we lose control, We want God to a degree, but we don't want him to consume us, if you will, right? We don't want to lose control. But notice this, on that day, that day of Pentecost, the second time here in Acts, what we see is that the fire of God came down on the mountain, but this time they were able to get near, weren't they? See, see, the first Pentecost, they said, we want to hear, we want to know Moses, but we can't bear it. That was the first Pentecost. But in the second Pentecost, God came down again, and there was wind again, and there was fire again. But where was the mountain? Here's the thing that is so crazy. Where's the mountain? Where, 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 did, the, where, where did this fire and wind come down on? On his disciples. On us. We became the mountain, the wind, the fire. Every person in that room became the mountain. Every person in that room became the burning bush. Don't, do, do you see that? In fact, it says something really interesting. It says that, that, that the fire came down, but it says that the fire came down, and this time it separated. It separated. Did you notice that one little word? The fire came down, but, but it separated. And, and it went to every believer, and suddenly every single person who, who is a believer of Jesus Christ, their life becomes the, a mountain of meaning, a, a place where, where God's presence dwells. Their lives become a tabernacle for the very glory of God. Their lives become a temple where the very Shekinah glory of God lives and dwells. And, and you can imagine, they say, no, 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 wait, 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 this, this can't be, Right? This, this isn't the way it works. 
right? That, that they're supposed to be a mountain. We're not mountain. Mountains are, are huge with rocks and, and bushes and, and trees, right? It, 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 you know, we're not mountains. They're, mountains have grass and whatever on it, right? I mean, they, they, they said this, this isn't normal. This isn't the way we're accustomed to. We're, we, we, we've been knowing what Pentecost is about and, and the symbolism of Pentecost for, for, for thousands of years. What do you mean there's a new mountain? For a lot of the Jews, they couldn't handle this kind of message. They said, no, 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 we don't want this new thing. Let's just go back to normal. But see, the point is, is that you and I now are the mountain of God if you're a believer. You are the place where God comes down on. In the Old Testament, there was a place where the fire of God came down in the temple and the priests couldn't go in, right? There, were, there, were, there was a tabernacle, and the priests couldn't even stand uh, to minister because the temple was filled with the glory of God. And now you become that. We become that. We are the temple. We are the tabernacle. And no religion in the world says this. Second Peter 1.4 uh, 1, says this, that, that, that we are partakers of the divine nature. Partakers? The lifeblood of God, the spirit of God, the heart of God, the glory, the attributes, the holiness, the beauty of God, his spirit, his spirit comes and shines through us. No other religion claims that. No other religion would dare to say that. Even though at the same time we stay weak. The, the, right? The, there's something there we can't account for. When you look at the burning bush, and the burning bush was on fire, and it was the glory of God, yet at the same time it remained a bush. Right? It remained a bush. The mountain. We are the mountain. This is why Hebrews 12 says, you have not, uh, you have not come to the mountain that can be touched. That mountain was Mount Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Wow. What does that mean? What does that mean? In other words, if Moses was here today, and if he were to read the, 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 what happened for the church in the book of Acts, and if he were to understand that, that, that each believer is now this, you know what Moses would do? Mo Moses would be running around saying, saying, saying do you get it? Do, do you know what you're offered? Do you understand? Moses would be saying, the thing that I wasn't allowed to see, the thing that I had to stand in the cleft of the rock, uh, the, 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 the very thing that the priest couldn't get near, you, actually you guys get to get near, that, that, that very power, that very spirit comes and lives and dwells in you. Wow. Moses says, are you not, he, he would say, are you not overwhelmed with, with the glory that is now inside of you? Are you not now melted with the spiritual understanding of that? Because to the degree that you are, you have power through Jesus Christ. Do you see that? And yet we're still human. The bush is still a bush. The fire of God came out of it regardless. And, and so a lot of people are saying, okay, well, I hear what you're saying, but, but when does this become real to me? When does the penny drop for me, right? When, when do I feel something? Well, don't stop until you grasp this, until you understand it. Don't stop with inspiration. Don't stop with enlightenment. Don't stop when the worship team hits the right note and you get goosebumps. Don't stop there. Don't stop until you know and understand who you are in God and how his spirit lives in you. The mountain changed. 
the location changed. Where God's power came changed. This would now be their new normal. But it didn't just stop with the mountain, no. There was also a new message, part two. No, no, notice, notice where the people of Acts are, are, are doing. They're, they're going around and they're speaking and they're giving, they're, they're giving the gospel. See, at the first Pentecost, when Moses came down with the message, it was with the law, and it was all about these wonderful works that the people of God had to do, right? These wonderful works, be honest and love one another and do not kill and do not steal and do not commit adultery, do not envy, right? The wonderful works of you, right? But at this Pentecost, when these people came, when the, when, when the power of God fell on them, they were declaring an even fuller message. Not the wonderful works of you, but they were declaring the wonderful works of God. The wonderful works of God. See, watch this. There are only two kinds of religion in the world. One that says it's all about what you did for God, and the other that says it's all about what God did for you. That's the message. That was their message. And and, and because of this message, it it should motivate the the mission. It It should motivate us to get this message out to anybody and to everybody. There's a story of a of a group of people that were trying to get to Korea. And this was in 1865 and Korea was closed to foreigners. Foreigners were not allowed to go there. But a single American ship had, had tried to sail uh, to Korea, and almost everybody on that ship was American. And they were desperately hoping to get to a certain place in Korea because they wanted to trade with them. And it was terribly dangerous, and they were risking their lives to do it. Um, but, but they knew that if they could get there and if they could begin trade, that, that, that they would become wealthy, that they'd be set up for life, Right? So they all risked their lives hoping to get rich, except for one person. Only one guy was on there risking his life for something else. His name was R.J. Thomas. And things didn't go well because the Koreans lined up on both sides of the river and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let the ship land. And, and so the ship kind of went around in circles on the rapids there and eventually caught on fire. And so the people in the ship realized that they had to get to shore. So everybody on the ship grabbed guns and grabbed knives and, 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 they, and they went onto the shore trying to fight their way through everybody. They came in shooting and killing. And while they were trying to shoot and while they were trying to stab the Koreans overpowered them and clubbed them to death. Everybody grabbed a gun except for one person, R.J. Thomas. When he came on the shore, his hands were not full of guns or knives, but full of books. And while they were clubbing him to death, he kept putting these books into the hands of Koreans, these Bibles. See, R.J. Thomas was a missionary. He had a motive to bring out this message to anybody and everybody. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be too. You will too. 
But notice that, that how, how, how it wasn't just a new mountain. It was, it was in, in a way, a new message. Because now the, the new norm is not that you're saved by law, but now the new norm was that you're going to be saved by grace. This isn't what they're used to. This isn't what the Jews were, or, or really any religion w- was ready to hear or, or willing to hear or used to hearing. That it's not by works, but it's by God. It's by Jesus Christ. It's by what, it, what, what Jesus did. Not by law, but by grace but by grace. And because of this reality, they had a changed life. Because God's salvation does not come in response of a changed life, but a changed life comes in response to salvation. Do you see that? They didn't just have a new mountain, but they had a new message. They didn't just have a new message, but they had a whole new ministry. Look at this. What's so astounding about the contrast between the first Pentecost and the second Pentecost is that in the first Pentecost, only one guy goes up. That's it. The rest stay back. One guy has an experience with God. Only one guy gets a message. That's it. But notice this, verse 4, Acts chapter 2. It says this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of them. Notice that. It says all of them. It doesn't say just the apostles, right? But all of them, all 120 men and women, all of them. You see, you see what's happening? Pentecost says that, the, that, 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 there, that there was just this one dude, but this new Pentecost says, no, no, there isn't just one dude that goes up to a mountain and comes down from the mountain, but everybody now, Everybody, everybody can hear from God. Everybody has this message. Everybody's given a message to speak. Everybody. As Peter's explaining to the people there that are, that are witnessing this, he says this in verse 16. He says, no, the, 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 uh, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He says, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servant, bo- both men and women, I will pour my spirit out in those days and they will prophesy. It's not just one person going up to a mountain and hearing from God and, and, and that's it. No, everybody, everybody's now getting to tell the good news. Anybody can tell the gospel. Everybody can spread the gospel. They didn't just have a new message, but they had a new mi- ministry, a, a new mission, if you will, to tell everybody about this new norm that you are saved by grace. How are they going to do it? Oh, with a new method. See, there's also a new method, number four. Notice this, it's, it's no longer that they go to the temple or that, or that only the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies or that only a, a rabbi sits there and, and, and rolls a scroll and reads from it. But now anybody can tell the gospel message. And as if that wasn't enough, they, 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 no long, they, they began no longer going to temples and, and synagogues, but to go into homes. Do you see that? Right away in the book of Acts, what you begin to notice, starting there in verse, in verse 2, after this, it begins to talk about how they're meeting in homes. Throughout all the New Testament, they start meeting in homes across the city. This was a new normal for them. 
But before, their normal was going to the synagogue and, and, and having to sacrifice animals and, 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 and having there to be a high priest. And, and now there's a new normal. No more would they bring animals to sacrifice. No more would they have to hear the bleeding of lambs before it was burnt at the altar or light the candlesticks next to the table of shewbread or smell the burning incense while they crawled under the hanging curtain to the Ark of the Covenant. No more. There was a new normal now. That, that new normal to understand God. Now, now, now they're getting it that God's presence isn't, it doesn't dwell in temples made by man. There's a new normal. That they, 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 they don't do animal sacrifices because Jesus was the final sacrifice once and for all. And now their bodies, the, the apostles' bodies, the disciples' bodies, the followers' bodies, your body, my body, now we are living sacrifices for Jesus. Even in that day, when they met, things changed. They didn't just, they didn't just start meeting in homes, but they, started to, they even changed when they would worship, and they started worshiping on Sundays. Wow. And the gospel spread, and they were unstoppable because they didn't fight the new normal. Oh, 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 there was internal battles and a lot of people did, but, 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 for, but, but, but the unstoppable church, why they were unstoppable, one reason is because they didn't fight the new normal. Do you see that? And, and right now, a lot of us, me included, we say we just want to go back to normal. To what normal? To whose normal? To, to the normal where you were to walk in and miss half of the worship service on a Sunday morning? That normal? You want to go back to that normal? To, to the normal when, when pastor would hit point two in the message and you decide to slip in the foyer and hang out and then get back for the end of point three. That normal, is that the normal that you're talking about? The normal, the normal that if the worship team did not sing the song set that you liked, it bothered you and you felt the kind of way? I never want to go back to that kind of normal. I do not want to go to that kind of normal never again, you see. See, you don't even know what you had until you don't have it anymore. Is that the normal? The new mountain, the new message, the new ministry, the new method? All of this, what it ended up doing is creating a new people. See, more important than the question, how are things changing, is how are you changing? That's the question. How are you changing? How am I changing? How are, how are we changing? There's a new people, number five. Look at this in verse seven. It says, utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Do you see that? Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in his own native language? Do you know why they were amazed at the fact that these were Galileans? Because Galileans were culturally narrow-minded. Yeah, over in Europe, there's a joke that goes like this. You know, if, if you speak three, language, three languages, you're trilingual. If you speak two languages, you're bilingual. If you speak one language, you're American, right? But, and in a way, Galileans were culturally narrow. They weren't particularly interested in everyone else's culture because they thought their culture was the best. They thought their culture would teach everyone else's culture. They were superior. So they weren't too interested. That, you know, and they were pretty famous for that. 
Oh, but when you see that as God's spirit pours out on them, as they become a new people, not, not only are they not, not interested, but they're very interested. Now, now they're invested. They're invested. Because of this experience. Wow. It means that we can get along with other people that think differently than us, that vote differently than us, that have a different opinion than us, that communicate different than us. Yeah, they changed their word. They were new people. Another great example in this text is actually the very person that's preaching this message, Peter. Peter himself, who's preaching this Pentecostal sermon. The fact that he is standing up before crowds, preaching and proclaiming the gospel. You have to remember this is Peter who denied Christ publicly three times, flat out denied him, flat out. And here he is proclaiming him. Wow. Look at that. As I get ready to close, that question, that statement, can't we just, can't we just go back to normal? What normal? Who's normal? Right? Gr- growing up, uh, you know, a lot of things were different than they were now. For, for instance, video games. A group, a group of people from the church recently bought me an Xbox. I love it. Love it. I'm trying to get better at Call of Duty, playing little here thing. That, that game's hard. Lately, I've been doing Star Wars and uh, Middle Earth. Pretty cool, right? But very different than the video games growing up. Yeah. Back then, when you bought a video game, all you had to do was buy the one game. That's it. Just buy the game, and you were done purchasing. Now you have to buy the game, and then there's more expenses involved as you progress throughout the game. Wasn't like that before. Wasn't like that before, right? Right? But, but before you'd get the game, and you had to blow in it a lot and plug it in, right? Today, today it's just all streamed and, and downloaded, but, but the graphics are better. <laughs> the experience is better. Or, or, or how many of you guys remember this? When, when you wanted to see a movie from home, if you didn't own it, you would go to a store called Blockbuster. Y'all remember Blockbuster, right? Yeah, it was great. VHS is lined up. And you, they, had different, they, they had different ways that you could rent. You can rent for one day or three days or a week. And you had to pay different prices. But, but, but how many also remember the late fees? Oh, yeah. Remember those late fees? Or the 99-cent fee that you got for not rewinding the tape? Remember that? Aren't you glad that, we don't, that that's not a problem? We don't have to worry about late fees if we want to watch a movie anymore. We don't have to worry about rewinding the video and getting charged a dollar. Look at the telephone. When the telephone first came out, many people didn't want that thing near their house. For any of you out there that are Downton Abbey fans, you remember the part where where the house got, where where, where they got the telephone for the first time. Y'all remember that? Right? No, they didn't like it. That's not normal, having this box where you pick it up and you talk to them. What what is that thing? They they, they rejected it. They didn't want that, right? But it soon became the new normal. God's trying to get you and I not to back to an old normal, but to something new. 
Now, now, I'm not saying that I'm glad that people are getting sick or that businesses are shutting down or that there's racial and political division. I, you, you know, I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this uncertainty, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of frustration and, and, and depression and loneliness and anger and fatigue and weariness, in the midst of all this, God is creating an opportunity for this generation to actually be the church. Let me tell you something. If there was ever a time for us to be the church, now is it inspire. If there was ever a time for all of the sermons and all of the worship and all of the kids' ministry to ever equip you. It is for this moment to be the church. This is our moment. If we cannot be the church now, I don't know when we can be the church. Now is the time for us to rise up and be a light in the darkness. Oh, I wish I had a witness with me this morning. Now is the time for us to be the church. And I realize there's evil and I realize there's pain and I realize there's discomfort and I realize what you're saying, but what the enemy meant for evil, God is wanting to turn it around for good. It's our time. It's our time. No point looking back. Let's go forward. I get it. I, I, pardon me, I, I, I get what we're saying, but, but, I, but I also hope you're seeing the opportunities that the Lord is providing for all of us. While we're fighting to go back to normal, God's trying to bring us into something new. Let's not miss this opportunity to be the church. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you I thank you, Lord God, because you are great and you are mighty and you are worthy to be praised. Heavenly Father, I pray you forgive us, Lord, and for times, Lord God, where maybe we didn't have priorities straight. For times, Heavenly Father, where we trusted something else more than you. We put our hope in something else more than you. And Lord God, I pray that we will align our hearts and our minds and our worship to you, Lord Jesus. And Heavenly Father, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or a week from now, how things are going to look six months from now, but what I do know is that your church is unstoppable. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will just continue to empower us through your Holy Spirit to be the unstoppable church. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirechurches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.